dialogue that if you have your Bible with you today, go with me to the third letter that John wrote, John the third chapter, First John the third chapter, and I want to share the second verse that simply says, John is addressing the church in a most intimate manner. He's calling us the beloved. Aren't you glad today that you are loved? Aren't you glad today that you're loved in the days that you really don't deserve a whole lot of love? I know none of you, but Gerald, we can relate to that. Everybody else is higher, holier than us, and they never have those. They, they never have those days. We were talking about sides, and there's a side of you that you never want anybody to see. Can anybody relate? I promise you there's a side of me that's ugly, and I, 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 maybe every once in a while Pastor Ron may just catch a fleeting moment of that. But I'm glad that God is here to deal with that and work on that. And I'm open today for the Lord to work, as John says. And I want to I make a point here uh, in this particular passage of Scripture. Uh, John, the beloved, uh, was caught up into heaven, had a revelation, shared 22 chapters of incredible, phenomenal things. John was there in the commissioning. John was there in the healing. John was there in the, the arrest and the beating. John was there in the, the cross, the, the crucifixion. John stayed with the mother of Jesus, walked her through all of that, never abandoned Jesus on the cross, stayed right there with him. Uh, John was there when the tomb was rolled, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus appeared to the disciples. John was there uh, when he saw Jesus cast up into heaven, the clouds, and that transfiguration. John was an eyewitness to that. And then, like I said, John went on to write the book of Revelation a powerful truth. But John makes an interesting statement here today of all the things that he did, of all the scenes that he witnessed, of all the places he was a part of, of all the miracles, of all the teachings, of all the revelations, John, revelation, John makes this statement. Beloved, I wish above all things. That's a powerful truth. When you consider all the things, if John was here today, he could have preached on the Beatitudes. He could have preached on the resurrection. He could have preached on the rapture. He could have preached on heaven. But John's making a statement to the church today and say, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospereth. So John shows us that there's a parallel, there's a parallel path. As you're pursuing the soulish things, and those are the things of the mind, the things of God, God wants to bless you financially. We've identified the word prosperity in this house to mean having enough to meet your need and a little left over to bless somebody else. That's what prosperity is all about. And through the years, there's been a lot of cheap shots taken at the prosperity gospel, and there's been a lot of uh, negativity towards Believing God in faith that God's going to bless you. Let me tell you something. God wants you better today than you were yesterday. He is God. He is your Father. Uh, I walked around uh, Christine's car and put a quart of oil in it and noticed it needed tires. And I'm going to get tires in her car the next few weeks. And uh, she didn't ask me for it. She didn't even know that she has bad tires, probably. And she didn't know that she was two quarts low on the engine. I, I don't think she even noticed that. But that's some of the hidden things that your father does for you because he loves you. 
And I believe that as you walk your daily walk, God is constantly looking for an area of your life that he can bless. And I believe that he does it daily, hourly, minutely, necrosecond. I believe he's constantly focused on you because you are his child. And it's a good feeling to know that we are a part of the body, a part of the family. And most important, God cares about us. But as John begins to talk about this place he wants us to be, that he wants us healed physically, he wants us mentally spiritual, and he wants us to prosper, as we look through the Word of God, we see that there are things that happen that open doors that make us available to all the terms of the covenant. There is an old covenant that God made with Moses, and there's a new covenant that God made with the church. Uh, when pa Pastor Ron and I went into covenant holy, in the holy matrimony of marriage, a lot of things happened in that covenant. First of all, there was a name change, that she changed her name to Davis. But I also took on the name Giles, which made me a part of her family, her brother, her sister, her parents, all her aunts, all of her uncles, all of her cousins. I became a part of her family. She became a part of my family. When we got married, all of her debt became my debt, and her debt was very limited. Uh, my debt was probably a little bit more. Uh, when we went into covenant, we exchanged vehicles. She had a little Volkswagen bug that wouldn't hardly run, and had a big company work truck, and so her car became my car, and my car became her car. When we got married, all of my financial assets, all that I had, uh, we had a fairly new home. We had uh, two or three vehicles. Uh, we had brand-new furniture when we got married. Our furniture was brand-new. and uh, But when we got married, all that furniture became hers, and all those vehicles became hers, and what she brought into the wedding was a few boxes became mine. Right? It sounded like a good deal for Pastor Rhonda. Hello. I mean, she did pretty good in this covenant. But when you become a part of the family of God and you enter into that covenant, everything that God has for himself, he also has for you. There's a change of names. When you come to God, you're no longer called loser, liar, divorced, broken, busted, disgusted. But there's a new name written down in glory. That's your name that God has named you. And when you come to covenant with God, his home becomes your home. There's coming a day when we're going to walk the streets of glory and be in the presence of God forever because that's what the covenant is all about. There's an exchange of physical challenges. When you come into the family of God in the covenant of God, he said, take, take my stripes upon you because in those stripes there is healing. So as you look at all the things that God provides in, in the covenant, I looked at to be sharing a pretty good deal. It's a pretty good exchange for me to become a part of the family of God. God didn't really get a whole lot, and I got everything. Do I have a friend in the house that can relate today that there wasn't a whole lot that we contributed to this relationship, but God seemed to pretty much pick up the package, pick up the ticket, pick up the invoice, and put us at a place that we could enjoy life and be a part of the family. Again, God wants you happy. God wants you blessed. God wants you healthy. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to survive. There's a scripture, uh, Luke 6 and 38, kind of a door that we're going to step into today. It says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, shaken together, running over, pressed down, shall men give into your bosom. There's something that we do every time we come to the house of God. There is an opportunity, and whether you take advantage of it or not, 
but there's an opportunity for you to sow into the kingdom and begin to change things in your life through your faithfulness and your consistency. I don't know that I have ever, and I'm going to guess Chris and Susan would know, Pastor Rhonda would know, I don't know that it's been years since I actually talked about the power of tithe and the power of covenant and what happens when we're obedient to what God has, has ordained and what God has discussed. But there is a blessing attached to the ability to plant unto the kingdom of God. I'm just, let me say that again. There is a blessing attached to the ability to plant unto the kingdom of God. And God has got such a great sense of humor. God's got so much for us. And God's saying, hey, you want what I've got. Here's a couple of guidelines that you go by. If you honor these, then I will honor you. Look at somebody and say, if I honor God, God will honor me. And it is important to, to in the area of how we give, how our mindset is when we, when we give to the kingdom. I had a tithe envelope here, right here. This tithe envelope represents field. It represents ground. And your offering represents seed. And as you begin to sow into the ground that you trust, things begin to happen. There is an expectation that happens when you begin to sow seed. You actually expect God to watch over it, to fertilize it, to bring to fruition, to bring to fruit, that we are blessed. Do I have a friend in the house today that you're glad that you are a seeder and God has given you seed that you can sow into the kingdom of God? And that's what the covenant is all about. When you obey God and walk in his obedience and God begins to do what he said he would do for you. I'm reminded of the first family. It didn't get off to a good start. Eve disobeyed. Adam disobeyed. Cain killed Abel. But Josh, the reason that Cain killed Abel is because God accepted Abel's sacrifice and did not accept Cain's. The reason that God accepted Abel's sacrifice because it cost him something. The reason God didn't accept Cain's sacrifice is because it didn't cost him anything. It was a last-minute ditch effort to please God. He brought some fruits and vegetables and threw them at, at the feet of God. Abel brought his precious lamb that he had a name for, and he cut its throat, and he applied that lamb to God. And the Bible says that God accepted the blood sacrifice, but God did not accept the dirt sacrifice. And there's something about blood that God honors. There's a, there's a blood that was shed at Calvary, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'd like to stay right here in my teaching, some of the things that I wrote down. But there is a power. There's a, there's a door that opens when you walk in obedience concerning your tithe and offering. It's called stewardship. When you realize, and we shared last Sunday, most of you can relate to this song. If you could see, Tina, where Jesus brought me from to where I am today, Aaron, then you would know the reason why I love him so. And Bailey, God does not leave you where he found you. God wants to take you to a higher place, a better place. David said, give ear to my word, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken the voice of my cry, my king and my God. For, O Lord, in the, if, o Lord, in the morning, someone say in the morning, will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There's a persistence there. There's a hunger there. There's a desire there. There's a stewardship there. There will come a day when every one of us will stand before God. And I believe it's to stand before God because you're a part of the family. And as God begins to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant, he'll begin to declare things that we're involved in that, Melissa, we had no idea we were involved in. When you sow into a church, when you sow into a ministry, 
you can at any time you want make an appointment with me and I'll share with you where tithe dollar goes. But when you sow into a ministry that's changing the world and you sow in the ministry that's changing lives and you sow into a ministry that's raising up your kids, that's giving you opportunity to grow, opportunity to worship, when you sow in that kind of ministry, you can't sow into that kind of ministry and not be blessed. I had three amens. It gives me time to look at my notes. Okay, three amens. There are three categories of people on earth, and only three. Number one, there's the wealthy who have more than enough. There's the healthy who have enough. And then there's the hurting who are barely making it. There's the wealthy, there's the healthy, and there are those that are barely making it. I don't know what kind of ridiculousness, if that's a word, that the political parties of America, I don't think they realize, maybe let me rephrase that. They think we're all stupid, and we think we're all ignorant, and they all think that I'm going to work 40 hours a week and work as hard as I can, and then you're going to give a chunk of my money to somebody that won't get off the couch. Hello, I'm preaching good now. This social... I don't even know why I went here, but it was a good, it was, I was headed there somewhere. There's a, there's, a, there's a socialistic approach to take from the wealthy and give it to the poor. And you know what? Sometimes that helps, sometimes it does not. But let me tell you this. Whatever category you're in, God will not leave you in that category, but he'll take you into the next category if you are obedient. And in the, in the day of Moses, in the old law, there was an opportunity for families to redeem themselves and restore themselves with, the, with, the, with, a, with a presentation of a sacrifice. And Bailey, God set it up, the ones that weren't very wealthy, the ones that were hurting, their gift could be a dove, but there had to be bloodshed. To those that were healthy, their gift was a lamb, and there had to be bloodshed. To those that were wealthy, they were required to sacrifice a heifer. And when that blood was shed, their sins were atoned for, and you know the rest of the story. And so God makes opportunity for every one of us where we're at. He doesn't want to leave us where we're at. He wants to take us into a new dimension, a new place, a new opportunity, a new authority. Because that's what he does. He's the God of promotion. He's the God of blessing. He's the God of favor. And he would really like for you to just shake yourself and make up your mind I am not going to stay where I'm at. Now, if you're extremely wealthy, this message is not for you. Just sit back, enjoy the coffee that will serve at the conclusion. But those of you that are placed where you say, I would really like to grow. I would really like to have a better job. I would like to be successful. I would like to be spiritual. I would like to be anointed. Is anybody in this house that would like to go in that next place, that next level that God has for you? There's a way to do that. And the Bible says it's by giving. Give and it shall be given unto you. When you go outside, and I noticed the last two nights, I don't know if you've noticed, there hasn't been a whole lot of stars. But Wednesday night, there was a bunch of stars out. And I only know like three stars. I know the Big Dipper. I know the Little Dipper. And I think I know the North Star. Every time I point out the North Star, Linda, someone says, no, no, that's not the nail. That's the tail of the dragon or that's the, the eye the, the whiskers of an eye cap or whatever. I, only, I can only, Jerry, I can only identify two, and that's the Big Dipper, and that's the Little Dipper. And Psalms 96 says that we shall, we shall observe the glory of God, 
And what is so crazy about the little dipper, if you'll look at it, it's a dipper that's extended towards heaven. It's like us offering to God a gift. But when you look at the big dipper, it's turned upside down, Greg, where the, the blessings in favor of God is pouring out on us. And this little dipper, could, could, a hundred little dippers can fit into the big dipper. It just shows you that God's ways <laughs> are greater than our ways. His purpose is greater than our purpose. There are things that he wants us to have and we're not placed ourselves in an area that we can receive because maybe we don't even know it's available. Someone, someone say amen with me in this house. I'm reminded of the story in Luke 21, 1 through 4. Jesus, of all things, is watching the offering. He's sitting at the temple on, on, on that area there, and he's watching people come and, and, and sow in the offering. And he, he makes a, a observance to some wealthy. They were coming, and they were tossing their, their wealth into the container. And then the Bible says there was a little widow that walked by, and Kelly, she just, she just dropped it into the offering. So there was the one that was demonstrated all of his blessing and favor and financial prosperity. And Jerry, he's throwing chunks of money in the offering. And then there's a little widow that walks by with two copper coins and she puts into the offering. And she just said, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just see what I saw? What she did, what she sowed, what she planted was far more than all of these wealthy people because they gave out of what they had, but she gave everything. And if, and if the Lord is watching the offering day and watching our faithfulness and watching our obedience, I believe he will respond to our gift, respond to our heart, and will bless us in every area of our life that we need blessing. Do I have a friend in the house today? In Malachi 3, incredible uh, conversation. Uh, I want you to be aware that tithing is not the law. Uh, tithing began when Abraham met Melchizedek. Gene, we have a feeling that Melchizedek was a literal Jesus Christ uh, without father, without mother, without beginning, without end. But when Abraham connected with Melchizedek, he gave tithe into Melchizedek, the tithe of the tenth. And as he gave a tenth of what he had to Melchizedek, God blessed Abraham to be one of the wealthiest men in the world, raise up a nation that is one of the wealth. Israel right now is one of the wealthiest nations of the world. And God blessed Israel because Abraham was willing to sow into the kingdom. That's where tithing was established. The law was established and said, hey, there are three tithes. You ready for this? There were seven feasts a year that all the children of Israel were required to participate in. There was festivity, there was sacrifice, there was food, there was drink. And there were three tithes, Jerry, that, that, Gerald, that they had to save. And one, one tithe they took to the priest, one tithe they gave for taxes, and the third tithe was a recreation tithe where they were to enjoy all the feasts that God had established. How cool is that? I, I, wouldn't it be nice today just give 10% of your tax to the government, 10% to God, and then have 10% left to do anything you wanted to do? Does that sound like a good system to me? Well, two guys proved it a good system, J.C. Penney and, Wool, and Mr. Woolworth. J.C. Penney, at the time of his death, was sowing 90% of his income into his church and living on 10%. How many would like to be at a place in life where you could sow 90% of your income into the things of God and live on the 10%?
How many people do you ever hear saying that they're going to do that? Most people are saying, well, should I tithe on my gross or should I tithe on my net? Well, it depends. You want God to bless the gross or you want God to bless the net? I'm preaching good. I'm preaching. I'm preaching good now. There's just something about what God does. And I have learned, not Jackie, not just to tithe on the gross, but there have been seasons in our life when we didn't tithe, Gerald, on what we were making. Melissa, we were tithing on what we would like to make. It was a, it was a step of faith. It was a step of courage. It was saying, let's do more than what's required of us, and let's see what God does, and let's see what God has for us. As most of you know, we have not drawn a salary from this church for almost five years. Several years ago, Marcus Lamb encouraged me to get involved in real estate. I did that. Our, rent, our rental payments right now sustains our family and blesses our family. Why? Because it was a God plan. It came from a God man. A godly man said, here's what you need to do, not knowing we'd, we'd come to a place that we are with the church. And now what we sowed a long time ago, we're reaping because of being obedient and being faithful to the unction or the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Maybe the Holy Spirit's nudging you to pursue another job. Maybe that door is open. Maybe, maybe you have lacked the courage to do that. Listen, if God is in it, go for it. If God is not, the devil sure do what you'd have a better job. So if you're getting a nudge, it's probably not from the devil. It could actually be from the Holy Spirit who you trust to lead you and guide you. I mean, that's what we sing every day, and that's what we believe every day. Then if that's what we sing, that's what we believe. Then let's start op- operating an expectation for increase. I pray a hedge around our vehicles. Man, it's crazy how expensive uh, auto mechanics can get. Can anybody relate? I said, Lord, let anything happen but the transmission. Don't let the transmission go out. Because that's an $1,800 expense right there that nobody wants to spend. How many every day you get up when you put your car in gear, you pray for your transmission? Is it the one? I got one. I got two. Pastor Rhonda prays for her car. But, but that is, that's one of the, the, the blessings that God gives us. In the Old Testament, when they were in the wilderness, watch this. Their clothes did not wear out. And their shoes grew with their feet. God has opportunity that your clothes will not wear out, that your shoes will respond to your growth, that you have the ability to say, that was this, this is now. I'm at a place now where I'm dreaming bigger dreams. I'm at a place right now where I'm visioning bigger visions. We have, we have those in this house today that have taken an enormous leap of faith, has invested significant money into a, a new business. But you know what their attitude is? They're not going to let that, that business sit there and assume they're going to be blessed. They're going to get out and work that business. It might mean that they can't go fishing every evening. It might mean they may not get in a deer stand this, this winter. But they've come to a place in life where they realize God is prompting me. God is motivating me. I cannot think this up on my own. I cannot plan this on my own. This is a God plan, a God idea. And if God is speaking it, it will. Look at somebody and say, it will come to pass. Something about sowing and reaping that we overlook so many times. It's God that established the principles of sowing and reaping. I have uh, some weeds in my yard. They are now eight foot tall. And uh, I've been waiting. Uh, most weeds will eventually at one time will bud a flower. Uh, and I'm, I'm just I'm letting them grow. We're watering them. I fertilize them. I want to see how high they're going to grow. Because I expect somewhere that... That, that, that plant is going to come up with some kind of fruit, even if it's a weed flower, whatever, whatever it is. I want to see what I can do with that weed and see what I can do in my garden. 
And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. Give, God gives seed to the sower, watch this, and bread to the eater. I got a $20 bill. I had 25 but, Chris, but Skyler got five. I've got a $20 bill in my, in my pocket. Now, I can decide today if I don't want to take that $20 bill and eat it at Taco Bell, or do I want to take that $20 bill and sow it into a mom that needs gas for her vehicle? It's my choice. I can be a seeder, or I can eat my seed. But something I've learned, that when you sow into widows and orphans and jail, that is an eternal blessing, eternal favor. It opens the door for you to have more, because God can trust you with what you have, not to be a pig, hello, not to hog it, but to share your wealth with others. And when you share what you have with others, God says, I can trust you. I'm going to open another window. Five windows are open when you tithe, and I don't have time to teach them this morning, but five windows will open. But God established all this reaping and sowing that everything turns, eventually everything turns to seed. It falls to the ground, and it grows. Whether it's a perennial or annual, it will grow. God set all that up by the greatest example of all time. Are you ready? God wanted a family, so God sowed, gave a son. God gave Jesus so that he could reap you and me. It was his plan. I think it's a good plan. I think he's a great God. I think he's a great dad. I'm, a, I'm glad I'm part of his family. I hope I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing to bring him honor and to please him. But it's God that established the principles of sowing and reaping. So God sows his son, the blood is shed, and, and, and the Lord is resurrected. And now because of Calvary, you and I can leave this state that we're in of depression and frustration and bankruptcy and all that, all that attached with poverty. And we can say, I'm going to shake myself. I'm going to stir myself. I'm going to start making good decisions. I'm going to start going to bed at the right time. I'm going to start eating right. I'm going to start focusing right. I'm going to spend my money on things that will better my family, better me. I'm not going to stay where I'm at. I'm going somewhere else. Look at somebody and say, I will not stay where I'm at, but I'm going somewhere out. I will. I'd like to talk about those five windows better. Really don't have time. If you come back next Sunday, I promise I'll talk on the five windows. You promise to come back next Sunday? Okay, heaven's taking a picture. There you have it. Okay. It's amazing when you try to reflect on the love of a dad or a mom for a child and compare that love to, to God. It's, just, it's, a, it's a perfect example, but it's tough sometimes to relate how much God loves you because that humanity that is in us. But the fact that he loved us so much that, that he made a plan that even though we would drop the ball, he made a plan that we could be a part of his family through the cross. And it's all through the cross. I want to tell you a story uh, about a dad and his son. Uh, dad loved his son. Son loved his dad. They did all kinds of things together. They went camping. They went fishing. They, they had a blast. They were, they were best buddies. And every day the son would run home and hurry to get to the house so he could hang out with dad because he and dad were going to do something crazy. That's just the way they rolled. So one day they decided to go in the wood shop, take some balsa wood and take some shellac and take some varnish, and they decided to build a boat. And so they built this boat, and they put sails on it, and they actually built it to the degree that they could turn the sail, 
and the boat, they would put the boat in a little creek that flowed by the, the river that flowed by the house there, and they would put the boat, and the boat would sail, the wind would catch it, and it would bring the boat back. And every day they would go and sail this boat. It was a pretty cool boat. They made it. They painted it. It was theirs. Um, one day the little boy, the, the son came home to realize that dad was sick. And long story short, dad died. And the little boy lost his dad. But after school, the little boy ran home. And he got that boat. And he took it to the river. And there he spent time floating the boat, sailing the boat, as dad had taught him. One day, as he was reflecting over the loss of his dad, he began to cry. Tears began to flow down his eyes. Joshua wasn't paying attention, and the boat got away from him and went off down the river. Cannot tell you how, how much chagrin, how much sorrow, how, much, how depressed the son was that he lost the boat that he and dad had built. Several months later, he was walking down the street there of the city they lived in, and there in the pawn shop, in the window of the pawn shop, was the very boat that he and dad had built. He ran into the store. He ran up to the owner and he said, Sir, that's, that's my boat. My dad and I built that boat and we've lost it, but now you've found it. And the store owner said, Son, I don't know all about that, but I do know that I paid a lot of money for this boat. If you want this boat, you've got to buy it. The little boy said, Sir, that's my boat and I'll have it. Went outside, got a job, job shoveling snow in the winter. He would shovel every business, get paid, and go home, put his money in the jar. One day, finally, Linda, he had enough money to buy the boat. He goes in the store, and the storekeeper had been watching him working, and there had been a couple offers on the boat. The storekeeper didn't sell it because he, had, he, had, he believed that little boy was going to come up with all the money. And sure enough, came in that day with all the money, and, and, he, and he gave it to the store owner, and the store owner gave him the boat. And he walked out the store, and as he walked out the store, the store, the store owner talk, heard him talking to his boat. He said, little boat, you're now twice mine. You see, first, I made you. The second time, I bought you. If you'll help me with a little music. Ponder that just for a minute. We were made, and we were bought. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. If you're here today and you've wandered away from the Lord and you've sensed God's presence in this house through the worship, through the fun, through the testimony, through the message, you've sensed his presence here and you'd like to step back in that place that you once had with him, I won't embarrass you. I promise you that's not what I do. But God brought you here to hear this word, to hear this music, to worship with us. And if you're not where you want or need to be with the Lord right now and you'd like to change that, just put your hand up, pray back down. Is there one? Sure. Sure there is. Sure. Hands go. Sure there is. Sure there is. I want to pray for the hands that were lifted. You are a good God, and you bring us to the right place at the right time to hear the right stuff. And today we've worshipped you in our song and worshipped you in our offering, and we've, we've heard your word, and your word says you care about us. Your word says that you want to open a window and you want to pour out blessings upon us. Your word says that we are the apple of your eye. The enemy has tried to steal my relationship with you, and the enemy has tried to disqualify me and discourage me. But today I stand, and I make up my mind, I'm going to leave this place changed. I'm not going to leave the way I came in. I'm going to leave today declaring that you are the Savior and Lord of my life. I confess my sins. I confess my mistakes. I confess my errors. 
and I lay them on the altar today. I don't want to take them with me. I want to walk out of this building healed, restored, and whole. I want to walk out of this building a believer in expectation, walking in, in expectation and favor. I love you today. I declare those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation all over this house today? The several hands that were raised, maybe even more importantly, the hearts that were raised. Um, I've shared with you some of the doors that God operates through tithe and offering. And I have shared, uh, some of you may not have heard this story, but there was a, there was a kid in our life that, uh, maybe two or three will know who I'm talking about. There was a kid in our life that had a lot of ability, a lot of talent, a lot of uh, uh, wasn't really wasn't really where he needed to be. wasn't really doing what he needed to do, and kind of become a scoffer, and a skeptic, and negative and critical. And one night it was is when we still had Sunday night service. One night, Tina, I offered, I I took up an offering, and I felt impressed to say, you need to sow something. If all you can sow is the lint in your pocket, you need to sow that. Well, this kid, cocky and arrogant, and kind of a punk. He took the lint out of his pocket and he put it in an offering envelope and had the guts to write his name on it. Uh, that was on a Sunday. Monday, he went to work. He was cleaning carpet. He was steam, Stanley Steamer. Monday, he went to work. Boss called him in and said, we're very pleased with your worth ethics. We're very pleased with your performance. We're going to give you a $3 an hour raise beginning today. True story. And he was being, go ahead, give the Lord a hand. He was, he was being a smart aleck. That's a good word. I did it good. He was a smart aleck. Say that fast three times. He was a smart aleck. And, uh, but, but God said, you know what? I'm going to bless your socks off whether you deserve it or not because I love you. You're my son, and I got a better job for you. I got better income for you. There was another family uh, member. He is now in um, Montana. And he's actually guiding elk and uh, moose hunts. And uh, he was here in this house. And Aaron had a, had a pretty good job. And the boss wanted his, nep his nephew to have his job. So he fired him. Let him go. Very good job. And uh, he came and we talked and we prayed. And uh, I just said, you know, God's up to something. You know, you've been faithful to that job. You're a good worker. God, God, is, God is up to something in your life. And lo and behold, the door opened, and I am not exaggerating a dollar. The door opened where he stepped to a, into a job where he made 30000 a year more. You know what he told me? I would have never quit this job. I would have never left this place. I would have stayed here till I died. But God sometimes will nudge us, push us out of our comfort zone, let us stay focused on the promises and on the word, and begin to declare what his word says and know that we've sowed, we've been faithful in sowing and get obedient in tithe and offering, and then just sit back and say, watch God do it. You never know what God's up to. Let me say, you never know what God's up to in your life. We're going to give you a chance to sow in the kingdom. I personally believe that tithe opens a window. I believe offering determines what flows out of that window. Again, I've, I've learned as Norman Lumpkin taught us, it didn't have to be a $10 bill. It didn't have to be a dollar bill, Pastor Ron. And sometimes it was two quarters and a dime. And he would, give all, he would give all that he had. And how many knows your pastor cannot stand for that to happen? I cannot. I, I, it just tore me up. So one Sunday, he, he always got here early. 
and he watched the girls practice praise and worship. And so one Sunday morning, probably about three months ago, I handed him a $100 bill. You'd have thought I'd have given him a Maserati. You'd have thought, you'd have thought I'd given him a home and, a, and a, his, his, the, the appreciation. The, the, he didn't expect it, Kelly, but it, it was something I wanted to do. I, I wanted him to know that God saw him and God honored him. And I had it. I, it didn't hurt me to give it to him. I gave it to him. And you'd, you'd have thought, you know what? When, when we're able to make a difference in someone's life, even for a moment, it's worth it all. It's worth it all. If you have a sow, if you have seed to sow, lift your hand, and we'll get with you as quickly as we can. Our handsome usher, Miguel's got it down today. I want to invite you Wednesday night to be a part of Celebrate Recovery. Uh, I need to take a census as to what kind of ice cream I need to make. Mango? Yeah, I've got mango. I've got, I've got mango. I can make a strawberry mango. How about, a, how about a peach mango? Okay, you're on. Peach mango. Wednesday night, peach mango. I'll put my crock pot and all, that, all those ingredients to it. I want to I bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May cause his face to shine upon you. May he allow you to be a light in dark place. May he bless everything you touch. May your dreams be in color. May your visions be expanded. But most of all, may the words of your mouth, the meditation of your heart be acceptable in his sight. Hug a neck, shake a hand, sow a seed. We have some guests here today. Make sure they do not leave this place. You don't find out who they are and what their favorite ice cream is. Let it go and trust.